Hello, and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Great, Ray. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Najarian with On Purpose Magazine, and today we're here with the wonderful, incomparable, fantastic, amazing, awesome Gary Goldstein. <laughs> How you doing, Gary? <laughs> I'm great, J.W. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah, I came up with a, a bunch of adjectives there. That was pretty cool. Huh? Yeah, you're, you're on a roll. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here tonight. You know, I'm really excited... Um, uh, I caught you this evening and, uh, you know, uh, just before your book launch, and I was, I'm glad we got to, um, re- we get this chance to talk about it. Um, for everybody who doesn't know, Gary Goldstein, Gary W. Goldstein was a Hollywood producer who produced such movies as Pretty Woman, Under Siege 1 and 2, uh, The Mothman Prophecies. And what was the first one? What was that great one? My, my Bill- first child. It was, uh, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. <laughs> with Bill Maher and, gosh, uh, uh, well, Sh- Shannon Tweed, Adrian Barbeau, Bill Maher, absolutely great cast. <laughs> that, that movie kind of kind of has a cult following now, does it not? It, it surprisingly, no one was more shocked than me. But yeah, it went on cable for like fifteen years, uh, and still to this day, when I when that title comes up, people go, "I know that song." I'm always amazed when they do. <laughs> Well, here tonight, we're here to talk about, I just mentioned the book launch. You're now an author, is that correct? First time. I've, I've, it's interesting, J.W., I've contributed chapters to books, uh, but I've never actually authored a book, Soup to Nuts, on my own. And um, I, I will say two things about the experience, and then we can just get into it a little bit. But one is, um, I, had, I have such a new, profound respect for authors, especially authors who are serial authors like the Malcolm Gladwells or the Seth Godins or any good author, fiction, nonfiction, is such a, a sort of a, um, a, de- a deliciously involving commitment and a lot of work. It's great. Um, so on the one hand, I have a lot of respect for authors. On the other hand, I think I'm totally addicted. I think, I'm, you know, I think I've made a commitment to myself that I'm going to do a book at least every other year. Because um, it's really That's good news. For your, for your friends have known you a while like I have, um, you know, we've been hearing about the book for for a while, so it's really nice that it's finally come to come to fruition, as they might say. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And for your listeners, here's I, I think as much as I'd love to talk about my book, um, there's something else that's really interesting because this book, you point out something fascinating. The book I wrote actually a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, went through some editing and went through some refinement, whatever. But I basically wrote the book. I don't know, over a period of a year, but I wrote it probably it was done at least over a year ago, and I let it sit gather dust on my hard drive as a PDF for about a year. Um, I sort of took it for granted. Uh, I didn't think there would be a lot of um, demand. Um, it was based on, you know, a lot of knowledge I had gained over a period of, of you know, two dozen years in the film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was just a tiny little niche thing. And frankly, I didn't publish it because I, it seemed like a lot of work and I didn't know um, that there was a community, a ready community to market or how I would market it. And what I'll tell you is this. This has been the, I did a Kickstarter campaign, as you know, 
Right. And that seeded a community and pre-sold books and did a, got a lot of attention from media, traditional uh, media bloggers, all sorts of people. It's become the most exciting thing. I never expected this to happen. And the feedback about the book itself is way beyond anything I would have expected. So I'm actually pretty humbled um, and yet very excited that I've got a book that's actually coming to market in the next, uh, you know, within a... Well, the ebook will well, be ready in a matter of days, and the hard book will follow a week later, and it's it's like a reality. Well, this is no small task, Gary, because, I mean, we, everybody who knows about Kickstarter knows that it's a great way to make money um, for a project uh, without getting, you know, without, you know, opening up a 5013C or or getting opening up and trying to get investors involved. It's a, a really cool way to do that. But a lot of people who have done it, 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 it doesn't have a success rate in the, in the 90 percentile. It's probably more in the 10, 20, 30 percentile. And you did a really, I think your campaign was quite successful, was it not? It was astonishingly so. It surprised me. We did um, a 30-day campaign, and we, we, we sort of prepped it. We pre, pre-produced it, if you will, planned it for 30 days before we launched it. It ran for 30 days. And we were really blessed. We had, um, if you measure it by the res- the dollar result, which turns out not to be the main driver or the right. biggest benefit, I-, I think. But by that measure, JW, uh, we did it, I don't know the number, it was over 200% of our goal. Our goal was 12,000. We did like 26, to almost 27,000. So, yeah, that seems unheard um, of a lot of times. I've seen a lot of yeah, it, programs go nowhere. Uh, it, it's interesting, and I've sort of gotten a feel for it. I studied a lot of uh, pro, uh, um, uh, campaigns, crowdfunding campaigns on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, et cetera, right. um, and, and realized that the key, or at least one of the keys, not the key, is, um, you know, people have to, whether, whether you're relevant to them because of what it is that you're doing or they just want to support you, that the real key is being completely vulnerable, down-to-earth, passionate, honest, um, you have fun with it, um, you know, and, and that your perks, the way you say thank you to people really makes sense and it's aligned. And the whole thing just feels good to people. And the video is obviously, you know, very important because you're they're able to get a sense of your personality and do they like you and do they believe you and do they think you really care about this or are you just they're raising money. And, very cool. Um, very cool. Yeah, so, so let me, we were very blessed. Let me let me turn the, the turn the page here a little bit. I'm gonna back I'm gonna go back to the book for a minute because I do want to talk to you at the very end of this a little bit about the writing process, just for any of the authors listening. But uh, let's get back to the book. You, you mentioned it uh, like a couple dozen years in the movie industry. Um, you've actually I know that you've taught a lot of courses for screenwriters and people trying to get into Hollywood. You had um, an event that used to hold regularly teaching people how to scale the wall uh, or something like that of Hollywood. Is that correct? Yeah, Scaling the Great Wall of Hollywood was a, a teleseminar, basically the same kind of content that's in this book, mm-hmm. but in a different, delivered in a, telesar, a teleseminar format. It was usually about six or more weeks with handouts and all that sort of, but yeah, it was essentially the same content delivered differently. And that was really the process, JW, by which I arrived at the idea that this really should be a book. Right. Um, Partly, honestly, because it's a lot of work to repeatedly deliver the same content as teleseminar to new audiences when a book can be consumed by the whole world, at least in theory, mm-hmm. um, and more available, if you will. 
and much cheaper because to tell a seminar you have to charge a little bit more a book. You know, what do you sell a book for these days on Amazon? Sixteen dollars or something. So um, uh, that was that was very attractive to me. But the good news is, it's like anything else. You got to sort of work it out and figure out what really works and what can you leave on the side of the road. So the teleseminar and the different speaking engagements and all those kinds of things, the coursework that I did, was really a laboratory to really pare down uh, the essentials that would go into the book and leave everything else behind. Well, yeah, yeah, you got to use this as a laboratory. The book's called Conquering Hollywood, The Screenwriter's Blueprint for Career Success. And, and I get why you say career success, because you talk about breaking into the business, succeeding and thriving in the business. And this is, I'm guessing this is kind of a laboratory for you because you did have success helping people get in. You had directors, screenwriters, writers, uh, and other people had a, had a, had varying success getting in from the principles that you taught. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, these are all of the the tricks of the trade, um, mm-hmm. if you will, because when I, from San Francisco, I, to, get, to break into the business myself, I didn't really have, you know, um, I didn't have people that I knew in the business. I didn't really, I didn't know nothing about the business. So I, in order, I was kind of out of necessity, if not desperation economically, I had to figure out quickly how to make it in this business, both for myself and more importantly, um, for the clients that I represented as a literary manager who were, as you said, most mostly there were some actors, but mostly it was writers, directors, or hyphenates of some type. Um, because I lived on a commission. If they didn't succeed and work, I didn't get paid. Right. And um, they were, because I was new, um, water seeks its own level, right? So if you're the new guy, um, you're not going to get the big cli- the, the big successful people as your clients. You're going to get new people, and you're going to have to break them in. So my whole mindset and my whole business model was based around how do I break in and launch truly talented people who were total unknowns. Right. Total unknowns. And yeah, they they you know I mean Jonathan. My client, who I, th- I think you know of, uh, certainly Jonathan Lawton, who wrote Pretty Woman and yeah. um, the first of the two Under Siege movies and some other great, he wrote for people like Jim Cameron and Dick Dunner and Joel Silver and all these amazing producers and directors. Um, Jonathan was uh, typical. He lived in a small apartment in Hollywood. He'd uh, been to one year, I think he dropped out of uh, film school in Long Beach. He'd written about half a dozen scripts. Not one of them had been read by a living human being. He was just sitting home writing them when I discovered him. And uh, so he had, in my mind, he, you know, he, he had been writing. He was, he was really pr- improving his craft. And by the time I met him, he was actually pretty much ready for prime time on a talent level. And yet he was 23. Nobody knew him. Um, really, no one knew him. And so... The challenge is always, how do you break through all of the noise and the competition of any competitive credit marketplace, in this case, film? How do you break through um, to get noticed and get hired and get optioned and get produced and, you know, get offered jobs and all that sort of stuff? And and so that was sort of very, that was the typical model. That was, you know, it was a Jonathan or people like that who were professionally younger at the start line of their career. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
I always saw it as an advantage because I, I, I get to shout from the mountaintop, oh, my God, I found another gem. Jonathan, tell me if I'm wrong. Jonathan was the one who wrote the script 3000 that actually got made into the movie Pretty Woman. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, what a great story. Yeah. You know, the thing for creative people, um, and this is true really not just for screenwriters, but it's, it's pretty much everybody. If you're a filmmaker, a director, if you're a cinematographer, an editor, a screenwriter, whatever. Um, uh, people who, if you want to go out into the and become an accountant, an architect, an attorney, a plumber, um, you know, a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, most career careers have a pathway. It's very clear. Yeah, you go to this, you go to school, you get, you study in that area, you get a degree, you take a uh, advanced core, you know, training, and you take an exam, and you get a certification, you join the mothership organization, etc. It's pretty, you know, it's like when I became an attorney. I went to a law school, I took the bar exam, I got in, I started to network, and that was that. When, however, people decide I'm going to be a creative professional. And that could be anything, it's not just film or TV, it could be any creative area. It seems pretty foggy and murky and mystical and random and like how do you get discovered? And suddenly what seems common sense in any other corridor of activity becomes um, daunting. And that was really what motivated me to write this book because I believed that success in film and TV is not a mystery, it is a business. If you if you know what you're doing, you can sort of step outside the competition and be laser-like and really make your way in into the inner circle. But but it requires some strategy. Right. And Let me ask you, Gary, because, you know, the whole – we all watch uh, every mo- all the movies out there and uh, read the books, and I'm guessing the business of Hollywood is nothing like the movies portray it to be. Is that correct? Is that right? Not sure what movies you're thinking. <laughs> well, are there some that are really good? Do you know any movies that you you watch that you said, "Wow, that's exactly Hollywood"? Is that Entourage or any of those shows or really? I mean, there's, there's, story? not really. I mean, I think it's a mix, and and also it's different today than when I started. Um, but but I think overall you get elements of truth from all of them. I think Entourage is a beautiful. It was a beautifully done show, and mm-hmm. I think there's certainly some truth to it. Of course. It's highly exaggerated. You know, it's, it's it's reasonably exaggerated for the dramatic value of, 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 of uh, for the obvious reason. But um, but there's definitely some truth to it. I mean, in the agency side of the business, you get a good sense of the you know the way people interact. And uh, and I, you know, I, but but overall, I think that's the business side. People like to portray the business side. The creative side is what really, I think, drives a lot of people like myself. Mm-hmm. It's just the joy of being in a creative enterprise where, my God, what a luxury to wake up and your job that day is to figure out how to tell a better story mm-hmm. and to fit it into a structure that it can really get cast and financed and produced and out into the out into the, the world. Um, but, yeah, you have to be able to... You have to be able to deal with the agents and the managers and the attorneys and the executives and all of that sort of stuff. And in your case, you had to deal with the, uh, you know, (laughs) with the whole production, correct? I mean, yeah, that's it's a whole different side of the business. I I happen to love it. I like team building. Mm -hmm. Um, I like sort of aligning people so they see the same thing, have the same, if you will, vision about 
what's the DNA of this film? What do we want it to feel and look like? What do we want it, what emotions get conveyed? How do we do that? How do we tell that story from wardrobe to, to you know, to production design to casting to the music? It's, um, it's like, I guess it's the best thing I can say is kind of like conducting an orchestra. Well, I think that's why this book should be, I think it's so exciting. This book, uh, first of all, you've done, you've done over a billion dollars in box office, uh, with your movies. You, you know, you have some very famous movies out there. Obviously, Pretty Woman has done quite well. Um, but you've also done, like you, like we were just talking about, every aspect of the movie making industry from, from finding the script to, uh, helping characters get placed to, to the, to production and final production. Um, I mean, you're not messing around here. You, you know, you, you, I mean, you've done all aspects. Am I yeah, off? And you know what? It's true. And you know what's exciting and, and actually has me re-excited, if there is such a word, I don't know, um, mm-hmm. is up until recently, up until now, really, um, there were a lot of options that weren't available to creative people, myself included. It doesn't matter whether you're a newbie or, or highly, highly experienced. Today... Um, because of the internet, because of technology, because of how 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 the costs have come down so far to get a good HD camera, uh, and suddenly you don't need film, you don't need a lot of the expensive pieces that were the mainstay of filmmaking for 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 basically since the dawn of time. So right. now today you can find talent, you can find um, you can find it online, you can find collaborators. I can go to Craigslist, I could put a crew together and good crew, not you know, just anybody. I could find really great people in front of the camera, behind the camera. And I can go out and I can make films so inexpensively and I can distribute it now. Um, monetizing it is possible. It's a little you know, you gotta be a little sophisticated about it. You gotta plan it like any business, mm-hmm. but it's doable. Um, so, and, and that's true. I mean, look at all these, you know, webisodes that are coming out of Maker and Machinima and Fullscreen, all these people that are the big premium content providers of stuff on YouTube that have massive followers. Um, but careers are being made left and right um, because people are being discovered in a whole new way. So the message is roll up your sleeves and get started, get active, don't wait for permission. And I think that's one of the coolest changes um, that makes this time we're in super special and why I think my book was an urgency now for me because um, if, if you really are passionate as a creative, mm-hmm. then you owe it to yourself to give yourself the shot of having a sustainable, real career and get yourself seen. And, you know, there's... there's um, I don't know. I just I I I, I want to light a fire under people to go out and actually take dominion uh, over their life and not look around and not say if only I had an agent because that's really a myth. And in the book I describe why. But there's so many ways to get to the end game now. So it's a, it's kind of just a, a great time to be in the creative businesses. Well, let me ask including, you, Gary. Um, including, by the way, JW. Sorry to interrupt, but including, oh no, no, go ahead. I'm a perfect example with this book. I'm not going, I mean, I, I could have tried the path of going to a big publishing house, a Wiley, a Simon & Schuster, Penguin, sure. somebody, but I'm self-publishing it. I get to own my intellectual property. I get to creatively market it. I get to do things that I couldn't do if it were with a big publisher. 
And so, yeah, it's a little more work for me, but I find it a lot more satisfying. And more and more books are, uh, let's see, Fifty Shades of Grey came out, uh, started as an e-book and uh, through no distribution, and uh, look where it's gone. <laughs> there's and there's a lot of those examples. That happens to be an amazing. It's such a great story. <laughs> Let me ask I mean, you. I don't it's, story of oh, the book. Ahead. I mean the the story of the business behind how that got birthed into the world. It always lights me up when people those those surprises that seem to come out of nowhere, but you know that that author invested a lot of time and thought and effort into doing it their own way and winning. Oh yeah, and you you know. Uh, with all the others that I've talked to, you actually speak at some author conferences that I go to, um, and there's there's some authors out there that that are, have great work and and haven't been able to get it uh, out into the mainstream. It's a tough gig, um, so we're, I want to talk about that in a second. But let's let's talk about the book for a second. The book itself. Let me ask you this: um, It's obviously great. Uh, for say the guy who doesn't know he's more of a newbie, or he's they're trying to, or he or her are trying to bust in, and they need some help. But how about the uh, the guy who's out there that uh, has done some stuff? You know, he's uh, he's not an amateur anymore. Is there stuff for that kind of person in this book? Absolutely. This, you know, here's who the book is not for. The book is not for that top. I don't know. I hate to use percentages. But that top five, ten percent. You know, if you're Steven Soderbergh, you really don't need to read this book. <laughs> you know, it's okay. just you're, you're so beyond it. It would be uh, you might find it amusing and interesting, and you might buy the book to give it a gift to people who are bugging you, saying, "How do I get in? Right? How right. do I break in?" So you would just use Steven, that. Give this away as a gift. <laughs> exactly. You, if you don't want to answer the question, just give them my book. Okay, great. But the truth is, it's not just for people who are have aspirations but haven't done much, uh, who are thinking about it. This is really for people who are um, in the business. Uh, maybe they're guild members. Maybe they're not. Uh, it's not the criterion. But they are um, not people who are at the high level getting, you know, if you're not represented, uh, and that, even that's not the, the great divide. If you're not earning money, if you are not represented earning money, getting your projects optioned and produced, if you don't have a network, because this is what it comes down to, if you don't have a network of at least several, a couple of dozen, I'll even pair it way back, 25, absolutely, um, if you don't have real rapport, like real relationship, I'm not going to say personal friendship, but real a legitimate relationship, continuous frequent relationship with 25 or more successful people who live inside. I'm not talking about the people you meet at Starbucks who are, who are also aspiring, who think they know more than they may know. <laughs> right. I'm talking about people who are, in fact, I don't care if they're, I'm not a snub. They could be the creative director, the entry-level person, the assistant to someone, but they work on a studio lot. They work inside a real major agency. They work inside a respected management company. They work for a producer or a director who's got a serious filmography. They work within a TV environment, same kind of thing. On the TV side, same idea. These are people, they could be from any walk of life. They could be the cinematographer. Everyone thinks in terms of producers and agents. Right. So you've got to broaden that. What if they're cinematographers and producers at the highest level? Do they know? They know everybody. What if they're assistants? That's great. They're in uh, the, the belly of the beast. They're at the center of the conversation as well. 
So if you know how to work that relationship, which this book describes in detail, if you don't have 25 solid relationships, which very few people do, I promise you, you need this book. You know, this and is funny because you talk about the, this particular thing, and I know one of the things that you you taught in your your class because I came in and uh, you know and, and I, I broke in and crashed a couple courses <laughs> that you had, but I re- I know that you teach uh, about how to once you have these relationships established how to how to get to the top guy through the bottom and this is a regular business you know I was in IT for years we do the same thing you go to the assistant to the guy at the top you go to uh, you go to some of the other people that are working at the bottom because the you know the turnaround is pretty great in the industry and maybe the guy the guy on the bottom becomes with the guy on the top after a while so am my way yeah, off. I, no, you're a hundred percent on. It's actually, you know, I'm embarrassed because you're 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 shamelessly pulling back uh, the covers and revealing the truth of my book, which is that it's basically um, classically intelligent business strategies, entrepreneurial strategies, creative professionals. The same strategies could be used elsewhere, and it's true. You know, in Hollywood, there are certain things that are unique. Um, for example. Um, and, and I'm sure there are other industries that are somewhat like it, but maybe not as pronounced. For example, the, the, when, you go to be, when you try to become an agent, sit on the desk of one of the big agencies, the creative artist agency or one of the other big agencies, you're competing against at least, at least a couple of hundred uh, absolutely qualified, very smart, very ambitious, highly energetic people who are absolutely certain that they'd be delighted to be underpaid, overworked, uh, abused, yelled at, have to read way too many scripts every week, never have a weekend off, never have a night off, never get to go out at lunch, back to brown bag. <laughs> they are so overworked and under-respected. And they do this for one reason, because their ambition is such that they're going to do whatever it takes to get into the business. And where better than to sit on the desk of a high-level fill-in-the-blank, agent, manager, producer, director, what have you, and learn the business from the inside out and meet everybody who calls through the phone line, meet everybody in the office, and develop rapport with those people as your own right. while you're learning the business and reading scripts. So this is a coveted slot. This person holds the key to the kingdom. For me, if I want their boss to react, I'm, I'm not going to ask for the boss. I'm going to say, I want to develop a relationship with you. Screw your boss. Your value, your opinion means the world to me. I, I know that you know everything that's going on. I want to know more about you. How did you break in? How did you get that job? I'm going to make that person my ally and my goodwill ambassador because we're going to invest and care about coming to know each other. Because we actually have motive. We're in the same generation. Right. And, 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 and like you said in other industries, if they like me, I know if my assistant says to me, hey, Gary, I just met someone they're great, their material's great, when you look at it, it's an automatic yes. I have invested, I trust them, they're my right hand, if they say yes, I'm not going to deny them. They're a filter for me. So that's worth gold. And the flip side is, as you well know, um, if you're good, you're going to stay in that position maybe a year, maybe 18 months, rarely 24 months. Right. People move quickly, and they don't move linear. Like Unlike other industries, if you're assistant to a big agent, you may leave and become a VP of production at a production company. You may become a get and casting. You may, there's so many different 
ways you can move in this business. Everybody aspires to be whatever their boss, their first boss was. So as soon as someone moves on, I not only have an, a, an ally in a new company, but I meet their replacement in the old company. So it's a great way to double down. Yeah, I could talk to you about this all night because we could go tit for tat in business, and I know that you actually have done consulting with regular business using these same techniques. Um, but I don't want to give away all your stuff. So let's talk <laughs> about uh, your, your let's talk about your opening. Um, you're going to have a um, what do you call it? A, a, a book launch party? A book, uh, thank you. A book launch party, uh, April eleventh. Uh, this is 2013. Just in case you're listening to this late and you've missed the thing already. But uh, tell me something about that. Yeah, it's just a handful handful of days away. This, is this coming Sunday, the, what is it, the 11th, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to gather a couple hundred folks. We're going to come together at the Writer's Boot Camp, which is a fabulous venue. And we're going to fill this place with like-minded creatives. Actually, I'm going to have a lot of really cool people from the industry there. Some of the, the mentors who participated, who volunteered to be a part of my Kickstarter campaign, uh, some great producers and others who are going to sh- they're going to show up. And anyway, we're going to have a lot of friends and a lot of like-minded folks there. Uh, and uh, so that's in Santa Monica, California, uh, uh, called the Writers Boot Camp. And, and we can give them the address if you want. Yeah, well, it's the Writers Boot Camp at twenty five twenty five Michigan Avenue, Building Number One in Santa Monica, and that's the book launch party. For Conquering Hollywood, the Screenwriter's Blueprint for Career Success, Sunday, August 11th, 2013, from 5 to 7 p.m. Is there parking and all that good stuff? Oh, there's tons of parking. It's actually a huge uh, complex of art galleries, uh, mostly, uh, these wonderful workspaces and the Writer's Boot Camp and all these really cool hip places. So it's just all parking. There's tons and tons of parking for people. That's easy. Um, and... Um, Actually, if people want to, if people want to come, it's free. Uh, actually, in fact, if people come, it's not only free, but we're going to um, thank people for showing up by giving them a free uh, copy of the book, uh, uh, the ebook version. We will we will give it to them uh, just for as our way of saying thanks so much and come hang out with us and celebrate. Well, that sounds like a no-brainer because I happen to see the list of some of the people coming down there, and I know who these. I know some of these people, not all of them, but. Uh, there's some powerful people. Some of your friends, you're, you're definitely <laughs> have good resources and ties in the industry. Uh, you're going to get to sh- uh, schmooze with you and talk to you um, and network with others um, and uh, also get a free copy of the book. This is like a n- no-brainer here. And we might even have you have to force a glass of wine or beer into your hand, a little finger food. You know, you never know what can happen. <laughs> <laughs> My only yeah, regret yeah. is my only regret is that J.W. Nigerian is uh, I believe going to be out of town. I will, yeah, yeah, and I uh, I looked so forward to coming, and then I uh, screwed up on my calendar and uh, mixed the dates. But uh, so I won't that's be making okay. it to this one. That's okay. We'll 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 create other wonderful events and opportunities uh, in the not distant future because it's been too long. But in any event, yeah, every everybody who wants to come, please. In fact, there's a um, the URL, if you want to RSVP and, and just reserve a slot, and it, again, it's free, uh, is uh, you can go uh, online to Conquering Hollywood, C-O-N-Q-U-E-R-I-N-G, Conquering Hollywood, 
uh, dot eventbrite, uh, which is E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com, and that is the invitation page. Just pop your name in there, and we'll be thrilled to see you. That's, okay, again, that's uh, conqueringhollywood.eventbrite.com, and this, uh, if you're listening to this on, uh, on Purpose Magazine, that link will be on the page. Um, click it and sign up right away. Get your butt over there. Um, it's going to be a great night. And is that what? That's a Sunday night. That's a that's a great night to uh, hang out in Santa Monica. Yes, you know we figured five to seven. That way we give people a little, uh, you know, a glass of wine. We have a good uh, a good visit, a few good laughs, and talk about life in the business and and uh, let them meet some good folks, really quality folks. And then right around seven o'clock, it's time for them to go on with their dinner plans. So you know it's it's early evening we we didn't want to take up people um into the later evening on a sunday night but it it's going to be a lot of fun so i would love your folks listen anyone who's a friend of jw is a friend of mine and um um you know this is definitely living on purpose and so i love everything that you're doing i'm thrilled to be a part of it and i cannot thank you enough for being the friend that you are and putting this out to your people Oh, thanks, Gary. It's always a pleasure. You know that. Um, let me ask you because I, I promise—I always promise everybody when I talk to an author, new author, best-selling author—that uh, I will talk to them a little bit about the writing process. Um, first of all, I know you've written, you've worked with tons of writers, um, and every authors want to know—they're already writing, okay? So they kind of got the writing thing down, but they kind of want to know. It's this daunting process. How do I get it written? Then they get it written, and now now it's going to be a daunting process to try to get it published, and then they get it done, published or edited, um, and they they forget all about the promotional side, which you're you're working with now. Um, what's been the roughest part for you? Was it the writing? Was it the promo? Is it the promotion? Was it the editing? What is what is it? Um, well, you know, first of all, I learned an inordinate amount in the process, and one of the things that I learned, J.W., was what a world of difference there is between being a writer and being an author. And I've always been, I've always been in love with writing. I love writing. I've always written my whole life. Um, but I've never written a screenplay, and I've never written a book. And now I know why, because I'm a writer, not an author. And this book, I think the, the greatest um, thing I can say is I think it actually has transitioned me doesn't mean I'm seasoned, doesn't mean I'm great at it, but it's, it started to nudge me across that line to the point where I can say, I understand deeply enough now what it means to, uh, what authorship is all about. And one of the things I would say to people is, like every other form of writing, it's all in the rewriting. So the discipline of rewriting and not falling in love with and cutting away, cutting away, separating away from the shaft, and really getting it down to what you really, really deeply care about putting out into the world that's one piece the other is always know your north star before you start writing like i would say get the tagline get the title um write a a a proposal a book proposal before you ever begin writing the book like really know where where you want to go what you know it's, it's like the quarterback envisioning you know where they're throwing the ball into the end zone whatever so if you if you do that it's a game changer. It's like you're not veering left. I mean, you veer a little bit left, a little bit right, but you've got guardrails that keep you going forward. Um, and I think that would be one of the biggest things is just having a real clear vision. 
Well, it's funny because now, I talked. The first part you, the first question I had was about. Uh, I would have would be about the first thing you mentioned because I've heard offers say rewrite seven, twelve times. I would guess with the second piece of advice you gave that that can cut that number down, or did you still have a lot of rewrites? Um, I did because I didn't <laughs> didn't practice what I'm preaching. I, mean, I didn't. I, I I would say that now. Like I have another book that I'm that I'm starting to work on. But when I say I'm starting to work on, I am not writing it yet. Because by the time I get around to writing it, I will have already won the war, and now I just have to fight a few battles. I want to be so clear that I've outlined it and outlined it, that I've titled it, that I've taglined it, that I've put some marketing copy together, that I've done a book proposal, that the kind that you would give to a publishing agent to right. use on your behalf, um, like what's, what's, what's its competition? Why are you the only author who can write it? All those standard sort of pieces, like really deeply know the DNA of why you're writing this book and what it, what it wants to be. Uh, so I'm in the middle of that process now, and I, I, I didn't do that. Um, for 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 conquering Hollywood, um, but 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 it's through the pain of childbirth that you learn lessons. Right? <laughs> so well, let me ask you, Gary, because this 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 kind of brings up something for me. In your case, you're Gary Goldstein, the producer of the movie Pretty Woman and Mothman Prophecies and Under Siege One and Two. That's a that's a really powerful POV that a lot of people don't have. When I say POV, I say point of view or or what's your story, and. Um, you mentioned it, um, you know, why should I be the one writing this book? Um, you know, what's my, and that reminded me of what my story is. For other authors that don't have the powerful POV you have, is that still important, especially when you're doing the marketing? Um, I, I, first of all, I, the assumption that you just made, and with all due respect, I totally huge. disagree with. I, I think it's, I, I cannot be more emphatic. Everybody whether they write a book and tell a particular story or they choose not to. That doesn't matter. Everybody I've ever met has the most amazing, fantastic, unique, unexpected, surprising, valuable story I've ever heard. People are fascinating. They, the problem is that they themselves don't know it. 99% of people walking around the planet take themselves for granted, don't think they're special. In fact, think the lesser story of themselves is the true story of themselves, which is hogwash. Because their story about themselves is fiction. And then nonfiction is if you ask, if I ask half a dozen people or 12 people or some number of people who, from different walks of your life, J.W. Nigerian's life, if I went around and I said, I need you to talk to three people from that area and that, and three people from that part of your life and so on and so forth, and I want you to ask them the following. And you pick smart people. You pick people you think have character and people who will be profoundly honest, who are thoughtful about life. Right. And the question is, when my name comes up, what do you think of? What value do you associate with me? Good, bad, indifferent. What have you um, taken away from knowing me, if anything? Again, good, bad, indifferent. How have I impacted your life? Good, bad, indifferent. And I don't want you to answer right away. I want you to think that and come back to me. Well, here's the deal. I've done that exercise with some people, with some actually pretty, pretty successful folks who thought they were really boring and maybe not such great people. I'm talking about... Um, you know, emergency room doctors and, you know, all kinds of people. And it makes, it turns them into reborn individuals. And I'm not talking religious. I'm talking, uh, they had no idea that the nonfiction story, the true story of them was the story that got reflected back, not by one, but by a host of people who had known them 
for varying lengths of time in different contexts and told them the truth. Wow. And it changed their life. So my, my idea is I'm just, I'm just another guy. And I think I'm extra, I, listen, I know I'm very blessed. I know that, you know, there's a lot of things I could say, but, but I don't think it makes me, it makes me unique more than it makes me better, right? right. So, I mean, your story, I know your story. I know a lot about, I don't know all of it, but I know a lot about J.W. Nigerian. It's one of the most phenomenal stories ever. Okay. Well, the difference here you're saying is I produced a film that, you know, and I've been blessed, sure enough, that particular film, uh, others have done really, really well, um, some not so well. That particular film is a global thing. It's been around for almost a quarter of a century. It's made, you know, a lot, given a lot of joy to a lot of people in different cultures around the world. That's pretty great, yes. But I'm not that film. I'm Gary. And I have a great story. You have a great story. And I think if you really just, if someone just really digs down and embraces who they are and why it was so essential and why it was it such a powerful choice to tell that particular story. And it could be in a book and it could be in a screenplay and it could be as a lyrics to a, a song. It could be whatever creative uh, arena. It doesn't matter to me. But why it was and why they were the only person who could tell it so persuasively and with that emotional timber just in the way that they did. That's special. That's the creative process. And if you stand up behind that and tell, like I would say, tell the story behind the story. Whatever you're doing, even if you're selling uh, vacuum cleaners door to door, I don't care. There's a reason why you're doing it. And if you tell the truth, and I'll tell you, uh, let me, I'm sorry I'm rambling, but let me tell you quickly. No, I don't think I so at all. I think you're, you're really hitting this on the head. I went down to... Um, uh, 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 somewhere in Kansas, I uh, was in Can the state of Kansas, and I was asked to come to a regional conference for a multi-level marketing company that was primarily women. And I get down there, and there's several-day event. I'm one of them, and there's another uh, two outside speakers. There were a lot of people from the company speaking, but there were right. two outside speakers. And the night, so I arrived the afternoon before I'm supposed to speak. Um, at uh, this big ballroom at the Four Seasons Hotel there. And I get picked up, and they say, oh, so there's a, there's a little gathering, not so little, uh, 150 of the audience, the select number of people from the audience, it was a few hundred people, 150 or 200 of them are going to be at this woman's house. It's actually a mansion. <laughs> She's one of the top top people in the company, and they're right. going to have some food and drink, and we're going to schmooze and mingle, and, and, and I said, it sounds lovely, let's go. So we go, and I'm aghast at the size of, 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 of the audience. I mean, the, the assembly was at least 200 women, and it was a beautiful home and lovely, and I thought, okay, this is social, this is nice, so we'll do this for a while, I'll go back to the hotel. No. Here's what happened. The hostess came to me and said, would you say a few words? I'm going to say a few words. And then what we're going to do is we're going to ask all these women to gather in the grand foyer, up the staircase, from the side rooms, blah, 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 and everybody's got to squeeze in and be visible. We're going to pass the microphone woman to woman, and they're going to, we're going to give them a limited, limited amount of time to tell us the following. Who are you? Where are you from? And why are you here? And no long stories. It's got to be pithy and short and damn well true, meaning the story behind the story behind the story. I don't want to hear that you like the product. Couldn't care less. Something drove you, some dharma, some need, some urgency, some point of view 
yeah. drove your wife <laughs> to be here. That's what we want to hear. And I sat there, and holy moly, um, I heard these women tell truths that ran so deep. And about an hour in, we were maybe a fourth of the way through the women assembled. It was clearly going to be a very late night. I was supposed to speak the next morning. And my, ho- my hostess came to me and said, Jerry, this is going to go on all night. How about, I-, I know you're tired. You just flew across the country. Why don't I take you back to the hotel and you can get some sleep? I said, not a chance. This is once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I haven't heard people talk this way as a group, maybe ever. I'm sticking around. And I heard stuff that I, it was like my jaw was hitting the ground. There's, as far as I'm concerned, it's all about context. Not one woman in that room would have been denied a book deal if there had been a publisher in that room. Wow. I mean, it was, it's just how deep a cut do you want to take? How much truth do you want to tell? So I don't care if you're talking about, you know, something about raw food or it's a work of fiction about dragons and demons or it's about, it doesn't matter. If you tell the truth, I think you can create a platform out of thin air because it's the truth. <laughs> truth is always stranger than fiction, Yeah, <laughs> and it, by the way, it doesn't it doesn't mean that, that you know we've all got an equal size following day one. You, right. That's a little bit of work. You got to, but if you tell the truth, you're gonna. It's kind of like Kickstarter coming full circle. You tell a powerful truth, and people are gonna say, "Yeah, I relate to that." Here's my fifteen bucks. My 20 bucks, whatever it is. Um, and I think that you grow fans by living honestly in a very public way today. So if you want to be a creative, if you want to be an author, see the book before the book's written. Don't wait. If it's going to take you a year because you've got a job and you're doing it on the side or whatever it is, if it's going to take you a year to outline it, write it, get it edited, start social conversation around that. Um, on video, on in text, on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Uh, start today, because by the time it comes, all you need, all you need is a thousand fans, right? And you can have a career that will pay life's overhead. You're not going to live literally like a king, but if you have a thousand fans, you can live on that and not have a day job. Wow, that's great stuff. You know, it's funny, you know. Um you're, you actually started uh, doing the promotion well before the book was uh, finished. And uh, I think that, that from everybody I've talked to, that really helps the process. You can't get everything together and then try to start building your network. You start building your network well before. And uh, yeah. I, I think that's why your Kickstarter campaign was so did, did so well. Yeah, we did map it out. We cared enough to take the time to figure out what are we going to do week one, week two, week three, week four. What you know, every other day, let's do a little something special. Uh, let's blog here. Let's bring in that uh, interview. Let's let's go over here and, and do a live chat on Twitter. Let's you know whatever it is, stir the pot every you know forty eight hours. Let's just keep building the energy. Uh, right. And over the course of thirty days, but yeah, I think there's a lesson there, and it's it applies to anything. And it, it it doesn't have to be a creative project. It could be any any business endeavor. You know, you like you you don't open, you don't rent and open a storefront business without having pre-planned it a lot, without having seeded it and marketed it and talked to people about it and finding prospective customers. You 
it's just again uh, standard business practice and uh, I know that you tell aspiring authors you know get your business plan together get everything together like you said have the book planned out have your I don't know what you said. There's something about uh, your North Star. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back and listen to this interview a few times. <laughs> I already heard. I already heard pieces in there that I wanted to remember. So what you is always it tell a great story. Here. Well, you know, it's your fault. You know, I got. We did an interview years ago. I'm, I'm not good with time, but it's got to be at least three, if not four years. I forget. And right. I'm sitting on a bench out in the backyard. Uh-huh. And I have gotten more compliments over time about that interview. Um, and uh, there's something, maybe it's just because you're who you are and it brings out the best in people, my, myself included. But oh, I always love, love our, our uh, conversations, whether they're being recorded or not. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a few. <laughs> yeah, we've had one or two. <laughs> anyway, so this, this is Gary. I can see really- you are a great friend and I can, uh, I know you'd let me keep you here all night if I wanted to, but I don't want to do that to you. I know that you're. We're, it's actually late at night, and you're not a you're not a, a late night person. So I'm going to let you go. But I, can I get from you the last word when it really comes down to um, what your book, Conquering Hollywood: The Screenwriter's Blueprint for Career Success? Give me the last word on what that means and why people should pick this book up. Um, I think JW. The biggest challenge, the biggest heartache, the biggest suffering um, that most human beings will experience in their lifetime is this gnawing sense that I haven't lived as fully as I should. I haven't lived into the greatest of my capacity. Mm. And that part of the reason for that, if not the whole of the reason for that, is maybe because sometimes, maybe it's because I believed other people's uh, beliefs instead of my own. Maybe it's because I believe the lesser story about me that I told myself. Who knows what it is? But that on some level, I lacked the essential tools that let people go big and really be who they are in this life. And that's self-belief and self-love. And confidence that are the result of those things. I mean, you, you know, it's hard to be confident if you don't believe in yourself. Then it's bravado and it's false. So, when I talk about conquering Hollywood, this has been a real journey. That's a metaphor for me because I cannot tell you how many times I, I mean, I would like to tell you I fell down and scraped my knee and got a little bloody, but it was a lot uglier than that. I cannot tell you how many times I failed and failed magnificently. I mean, failed so embarrassingly uh, on every level, personally, financially, projects dying, losing huge amounts of money. I mean, I have messed up. It took a lot to learn how to make it work. So for me, when I write a book called Conquering Hollywood, I know the title sounds a little bit arrogant almost, but it means the world to me because I feel like it took, it's a conquest. It's kind of like Joseph Campbell's uh, mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the hero's journey. And, and I'm not a hero. That's not what I mean. I mean that you go on this conquest and this this path and you you make a commitment and it's staying the course and being persistent and being pig-headed and determined and just it's like the talk of that that I once gave called no is just a conversation starter every time someone says no let it fuel you to something more 
to be more stubborn and say, wait a minute, maybe I didn't tell the most persuasive story. I've got to tell how, figure out how to tell a better version of the story. Or they said, no, I'm going to knock on 10 more doors because I don't accept the no. Because you believe in yourself and you love yourself and you care about what you're committed to and you're just not willing to lay it down. And you're going to conquer this thing. And the book are really just strategies that if you did half an hour a day, and you did that every day for six, twelve months, depending on how, how how quickly you pick it up or you know how much you how much time you spend every day. It will change your life because those relationships that we talk about, success is a team sport. And if you believe in yourself, other people will. If you're a leader, people will follow. If you really invest in other people, you'll develop a rapport and relationship that ultimately actually bleeds into friendship. And if you do those things and you come from this place where you learn but I think that if you know the right tools, it's a two-way street. You don't wait around until suddenly one day you go, wow, I love myself, I believe in myself, and I feel really confident. It's not just going to happen sitting around. It happens because you get bloody and you fail and you, you, know, you just you look bad. You trip and you fall and you look like a ridiculous person and you feel bad. But then you get up and you do it again. And suddenly that push and pull starts to focus you in a different way. Because for me, it took some years. But you know what? I just wasn't going to give up. And these strategies are the things that if you do them by using these tools, by employing these strategies, by exercising those muscles, suddenly you wake up one day and go, wow, my landscape has changed. That's a measure of me. I feel pretty good. I'm getting more confident. I have I, can, I, I have a sense of more value in the world. It's just this dance. So to me, it could say conquering fill in the blank. For me, it was conquering Hollywood. I wanted to be a, in a creative profession, period. But it's the same story. So not to get too philosophical, but I think it's about confidence and self-belief and, and, and never giving up and, and, and meaning it. But you've got to have the tools, the strategies that support it because just feeling that without knowing the tools can be really, really, really frustrating and the stuff, you know, you can, you can just waste too much time. And it, I, I, it hurts me to see people wasting a lot of years uh, when, the, when, when they can move faster. That's a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine. We're speaking to Gary Goldstein. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for your time, and that was an excellent uh, uh, closing, closing thought because um, I've always felt you were the you taught me how to fail forward, and so that is that's the lesson I have taken from you, and, I, and I'm so glad that you you pass it on, and, and I hope that I pass it on help pass it on to others with interviews, wonderful interviews like this. Um, Thank you, so much for you are you are a role model to many. I promise you, I know this to be true, and I thank you as uh, for being my friend. My pleasure, always. Um, everybody, I wish you a great day and an even better tomorrow. And Gary, thanks so much. Uh, everybody, go to uh, conqueringhollywood.eventbrite.com and go to this thing. It's a it's, if you if. It's Sunday, August 11th, 5 to 7 p.m. at 2525 Michigan Avenue, Building 1 in Santa Monica, California. It's called the Writer's Boot Camp. Get there, meet Gary, have fun, 
uh, have some drinks, have some food, network with some really incredible people. You really enjoy it. And if you're listening to this afterwards, um, can they go to GaryWGoldstein.com or what is it? Where they can get they, they can get, they can, That's my personal site. They can be yeah, there's, there's a contact form there, GaryWGoldstein.com, or uh, the site's almost done, but not quite, ConqueringHollywood.com. But either one, either one. Uh, if they can't find it, uh, just go to GaryWGoldstein.com and they can they can reach out to me. And Amen, thank you. Come have fun with us and um, look forward to meeting more people. Uh, anyone anyone through JW is muy welcome. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at OnPurposeMagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved. <laughs>